Well, hello there, and thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Tone of the Podcast brought to you by Flooring is Forever, flooringisforever.com, 317-755-1246 for the best around. Give Harley a call or check them out online on their five-star ratings at flooringisforever.com with over 20 years of experience. Revamp your home with new tile, carpet, or hardwood with Flooring is Forever, 317-755-1246. Race week rolls on. Um, had some good conversations over the last 24, 48 hours. Uh, one's coming up here that you'll be able to check out on this episode from the IndyCar Radio Network. The conductor of the orchestra, the apex of the broadcast, Mark James, will join us uh, to kind of look ahead of the 500 um, and, and, and again to this weekend's IndyCar Grand Prix, which comes up starting on Friday with practices and qualifying, and then Saturday the race. So make sure you head out there uh, both days. You're going to get plenty of on-track action with Light Series and F2000 and Pro 2000. Uh, it will be something that uh, will, will be fun. The weather looks really good out of the track. And so uh, we are looking forward to that. was on a couple Zoom calls on Tuesday, the first one with Graham and Takuma Sato. So Graham Rahal, Takuma Sato, talking about heading into the month of May. Um, really what I took out of that was they're both really good at the, at, at the track, at both at both uh, the Grand Prix and the Indianapolis 500. Obviously, the Indy 500 comes to mind with their first and third place finishes last year. Graham's had a couple third place finishes in the Grand Prix as well. Um, and has had fast cars at IMS, but, but he was asked about going back to Texas with Jack Harvey, and, and he said, and, and I quoted this on my Twitter, um, but, you know, he, he just basically said Jack Jack apologized to, to him and that Graham or nobody else in the paddock looks at them as a second-tier team or a part-time team anymore. They know that, that they're connected with Andretti, and they've got the um, they've got the resources now to compete, and, and adding LEO this month will be huge for that team. So um seems like Graham gets along both with um, – uh, Shank and with Jack Harvey, so um, nothing, nothing really too much going to spoil over into Indianapolis from Texas. And then um, it was announced pretty cool that Tony Stewart will be on the box with uh, J.R. Hildebrand and A.J. Foyt during race day at the 500. Um, Smoke was asked a few questions about returning. Um, he's not going to drive, uh, but but just how cool it would be to celebrate with A.J. and then they asked AJ what his um, relationship like was with Tony and and how they got along and and obviously Tony is is AJ is Tony's hero, um, but but when when AJ Foyt was asked that, um, he said, "quote We don't get pushed around or take any bullshit from anyone." So um, that was quote that was interesting. They asked Stewart about you know his first five hundred, um, and he said it was the closest he has been to throwing up and racing. Uh, that obviously came back in 1996 in a, in a pressured pack start um, as, as a rookie, um, kind of tabbed as the next big superstar in American Noble Wheel Racing, um, a star that the IRL was desperately looking for, was in a good car with Team Menard and Larry Curry, um, starts from the pole after his veteran teammate Scott Brayton was killed. Um, so I can only imagine what that day was like for Tony Stewart. Um, so that was cool. Uh, TonyDandy.com. Check out my uh, latest article on the gambling odds for the 500, who you should bet on now, who you should wait around for, and then coming up, check it out as well. Um, Three guys I've got in mind that could possibly score their first career win this weekend at the Indy Gahar Grand Prix. Now, it's going to be tough. We know that the Penske boys have been dominating at that track um, ever since the first one a few years back. Obviously, Scott Dixon has a win last summer as well. 
Um, but it'll be interesting to see coming up this weekend, and, and it's just so important to qualify up front. Um, so I can't wait to get out of the track. It is going to be um, a hell of a time. Again, weather looks pretty good. Um, so if you're out there, let's grab a beer. I'll be out in the turn two suites. Thanks to uh, some friends of mine. Uh, appreciate me them hooking me up with that all month so that I can get some work done out there. If you're thinking about refinancing with the Fed's latest announcement, these can be the lowest rates we see for 12-plus months. Lower your monthly payments or take cash out for a project. Call Kyle at Caliber Home Loans, 317-680-6306. Again, Kyle at Caliber Home Loans, 317-680-6306. Kyle Gilbert at Caliber Home Loans. Uh, give them a call if you're looking to save some money over the next several months, especially with the way things are going and... I know we've been saying this, but you know gas prices are are, are on the on on the on the rise as well. So uh, maybe may, maybe start a new project in your home. Maybe it's new flooring. Who knows? Uh, but give Kyle a call three one seven six eight zero sixty three zero six. All right. Without further ado, we will bring him on. He's a good friend of mine. I've known him for years in racing and the radio world from the IndyCar Radio Network, the apex of the broadcast. We welcome in Mark James. Mark, thanks for your time. Tony, my pleasure. How you doing? Good, good. Well, let's let's start with a little quick recap. What stuck out for you? Two first-time winners, Scott Dixon being Scott Dixon, kind of the, the emergence again of Colton Herta. Uh, but what storyline so far has intrigued you the most through the first couple of races? Well, I think if it holds true to form uh, through the start of the season, I, I think we're going to have um, probably not seen the last of first-time winners. Pardon the noise in the background. I'm <laughs> I'm joining you from Monrovia High School where I teach. But, uh, uh, you know, I, I think as much as anything, uh, it, it I think it's going to show that consistency uh, may very well result in a championship. I mean, wins are nice, and if you win enough races like Scott Dixon did to start the season a year ago, you know, you, you pretty much put yourself in the driver's seat and then you're telling everybody else to come and get you. But I think, you know, through the first couple of races for a few races, uh, you know, we've had Colton's dominance at St. Petersburg and Pottawa Ward with, with what he did in, in, in getting his first win. But but yet we've got one guy who's been in the top five at every race. And who is that? Mr. Consistency, Scott Dixon. And um, I've been really impressed with Joseph Dugarden after his disastrous opening lap at Barber Motorsports Park, uh, he has uh, quietly uh, rebounded nicely to put himself right back into championship contention. So uh, I, I think it's going to go down to the wire. Um, I don't know that anybody's going to reel off two, three, four wins in a row like they did last year. But uh, I think to uh, to reiterate my earlier point, I, I think whoever is the most consistent in terms of podiums and top fives may, with just a couple of wins, in fact, find themselves as the next series champion. And to your point, and I've kind of talked about this, this is probably at least top three, maybe even top two, the most competitive field we've seen um, from a season standpoint. But we had to Indy, and you, you you look at the drivers that have a realistic chance. Normally it's nine or ten the last couple of years with the passing. It's maybe been only four or five. This year I think you're looking at 15 to 16 drivers with a legitimate chance to win the 500, and it just shows the competition level of IndyCar and how great it is from top to bottom. Just when we think it's not going to get any better or it can't get any better, I mean, we, we all of a sudden we, we start adding people like Juan Montoya and, of course, Elio Castro-Nevis is back and Tony Kanan is back. Uh, what's that, uh, you know, six wins between those three? 
and then you've got, you know, a two-time winner in Takuma Sato, who could conceivably grab his third at any time over the next few years. And, uh, you know, all the single winners that we have in the field. I mean, we have, what, I think nine former winners are entered. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I think that that point is, is, is accurate for sure. And uh, every year we seem to say that, and the very next year we seem to one-up it. So, uh I think it's good for the fans. I think with the number of cars that'll be entered this year, I think the the storylines are 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 endless. Uh, the one that I point to, Tony, and, and and you you know you've you've been at this a while, and and you get this too. Uh, and I don't want to wish any any bad luck on anybody, but each and every year, someone who is a high profile driver on a high profile race team for whatever the reason shows up to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and are simply unable to find any speed mm-hmm. and then somehow end up on the outside looking in. You know, the ones that come to mind most recently are James Hinchcliffe and, and Fernando Alonso. But, I mean, you can go all the way back to, you know, 1995. It's well documented with, with Al Jr. and Emerson Fittipaldi. Uh, so uh, that, that that's the thing that always interests me when we get through, you know, the, the full week of practice and then we get into qualifying is uh, what team is going to have to really, 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 really work uh, to make that race. And, and, and it's someone who quite frankly, we didn't expect to have those, those kind of issues. Mark James with us from the IndyCar radio network, you know, to that point and kind of what you, what you brought up to my next question, uh, who are you looking forward to most seeing? Is it Juan Pablo Montoya or Elio Castro Nevis? Because this is a new a new level, a new ride for LEO, and it's a new ride for this team having a second car under Meyer Shanks banner. But then again, Juan Pablo Montoya returning after a few years' absence to a car that, that, that kind of struggled to get up to speed last year, didn't really contend. And again, as we know, you know, what happened two years ago when he when Fernando missed the field. Um, who are you gonna have your eyes on most of this month? Is it Juan Pablo or is it Elio? Well, I think I think Elio, even though it's a you know, it's um it's a it's it, it's a new race team. At least, if there's an advantage that Elio has over Montoya, it's it's time in this uh, new chassis and aero configuration, and I think that'll be huge uh, for him. Uh, I, I know that Elio has racetrack uh, with the race team, getting to know them. Uh, I, I don't. I, I think he's shown a tremendous amount of respect for Jack Harvey. At least that's the indication we get from Jack in terms of. You know, the, the question and answer sessions, I think he's been a huge benefit to Jack, too. Uh, he's been a good teammate to this point, and I think they're all thrilled to have him on board. So, But as far as, as Juan Montoya, I, I'm, I'm just anxious to see how he does in this car and and uh, how, how quickly he adapts to it. I have every reason to believe that he will indeed adapt quickly. And uh, you know, this race team he's with has changed a little bit, you know, since they, they had their struggles in the past, uh, clearly. And uh, I, I just think Montoya is is one of those guys that could, uh, you know, if they if they strapped a, a, an engine to a grocery cart, Juan Montoya could find a way to make it go fast. Uh, uh, and so, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm thrilled to death to see him back at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. But uh, I'm sure all eyes will be on him and, and, and certainly on Elio for sure. And even TK to a certain extent. I mean, people, mm-hmm. you know, it, even though the results didn't bear it out, I, I think. TK adapted quickly uh, to the car and the team. Of course, it's a team he has some familiarity with in Ganassi. And so, uh, 
uh, it wouldn't at all surprise me to see him, uh, you know, be in contention come come race day for the 105th 500. I, TK, I think, is that comfortable with the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, and I think he really feels like that he's got a shot uh, to win that race. Uh, I know he knows he's got a lot of work to do, uh, and they'll go about that task. But uh, yeah, you you like he and Elio, and probably Ed Carpenter, wouldn't you say, Tony? Mm-hmm. But Whenever yep. one of those three either qualify well or take the lead to the 500 or whatever, I mean, uh, the, the response to the fans. I mean, they are clearly the, the fan favorites, those three. And it's always exciting when they do well in May. And, and and you look at, you know, Sato, Dixon, some of these drivers into their 40s that are still competing. It, it, it's not a long shot to say Tony Kanan in the Ganassi car is going to be at the front of Indy or Ed Carpenter pushing his late 30s is going to be – you know, up towards the front. I mean, you, we have such a good balance in IndyCar right now of the veteran drivers that can still get it done with a mix of the younger drivers that are kind of taking over. I mean, we haven't even mentioned Alex Pillow, his first career win this year. Um, let's go to the Grand Prix this weekend. And I, I'll first ask you this. What's it going to – okay, obviously Scott Dixon won one last year, and then Simon Pagenaud won the inaugural event with, with Schmidt-Peterson Motorsports at the time. Who and what will it take to knock off a Penske driver this weekend at the Grand Prix? And I know people say, quote-unquote, Penske owns this track. Yes, he does. But he also owns the results of the Grand Prix. I mean, Simon and Will, uh, you, you know, uh, basketball players will tell you that there's some arenas they shoot better in than others. Baseball mm-hmm. players will tell you there's so some parks they hit in better than others. And uh, I think most drivers will tell you that there's some racetracks that they're more comfortable on than others. Say, for instance, Scott Dixon at Mid-Ohio, the legendary Allinger Jr. at Long Beach. Um, and the list goes on and on and on. Some drivers are just comfortable at some tracks. And clearly, Simon and Will are, are two guys that are, are very, very comfortable on the road course at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Uh, I, I, I do think it suit, seems to suit, uh, you know, Colton Hurtis' driving style. I think it it seems to to suit Pottawa Ward's driving style, and uh, and, and certainly you mentioned Alex Pillow. Uh, he's another one uh, within that Ganassi team. I think Marcus Erickson is starting to find some pace, mm-hmm. and and he could be a factor this coming weekend for sure. Um, and so here we are now, six, seven, eight deep into the field to our earlier point about the, the competitiveness. I mean, it, it's quite frankly, it's gotten to the point that, yeah, sure, you expect Dixon and Simon and, and, and Will Power uh, to be factors and be a force this weekend. But as you suggest, you know, out of the 24, 25 cars that might appear on the grid on race day, you could go really, really deep in the field and not be totally and completely shocked if any one of those drivers got to victory lane. How important to bring new eyeballs to the sport so far in the first four races, and I'm sure you guys have seen it on the radio network side, has the um, the addition of not only Jimmy Johnson, who I think is bringing uh, a bunch of new eyes from the NASCAR world, but Roman Grosjean is doing a great job as well. He's got a huge Formula One following. How important to the growth of the, of the sport have those two quote-unquote rookies been to the series this year? Well, I know that uh, it, not only is it uh, healthy because, you know, their fan base uh, from Formula One and NASCAR obviously follows them and, and, and maybe maybe causes them to take a little more interest uh, in the NTT IndyCar series than they have in the past. And, and that's a good thing. But I think it, it, it's also perhaps, you know, opened the eyes to some drivers that, you know, feel like that uh, maybe they're not in the most competitive situation. And, and, and yet, you know, um, there is this, this opportunity to come 
and be in the series and, and be competitive with a, a pretty healthy balance between the teams. But I, I think as much as anything, uh, um, while certainly it, it, it has become more corporate than perhaps it was in, in, in the mid to late nineties, when I, I first joined the series and, uh, uh, and, and it's, you know, progressed that direction and understandably so, uh, you know, I, I still think it's, uh, and there's a lot of pressure to win for sure, but mm-hmm. I also think there's a level of enjoyment um, and, and, you know, not only interaction in the paddock, but, but fan interaction that, that I think this series offers uh, that, that many others do not, uh, even though some profess that they do. Um, I, I think that, uh, that the drivers get a, a great deal of enjoyment out of that. And so, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of layers to that, if you will, uh, that, that, that in terms of the relevance. But, uh, yeah, I, I, and I like the way that both have conducted themselves, especially Jimmy Johnson. I mean, he struggled a little bit. And, and I go back to the conversations we had with, with Dario Franchitti at Barber Motorsports Park when we said, you know, what are his expectation levels uh, for this year? What's he expect to have happen? How's he expect this year to go? And Dario said, you know, that's the interesting thing. We've never really discussed that. I I don't think he has any preconceived notion of, of, of w- where he wants to be at any certain point in the season because this is such an unknown for him. And, and I think that's indicative of the type of patience that led someone to win a you know, a, a, a championship seven times in in in, in one of the uh, the, the most uh, competitive sports in in the world. You ever just uh, turn on the, the old tune-in app and go to the IndyCar radio site and just listen to old races like I do? Like some days you get lucky, you get to listen to some Sid Collins in the seventies. You know, they're always playing five hundred. You ever just like kind of get lost and reminiscing about maybe a day that you know you were there or on the radio network and just and just listening. I mean, it's just it's it's pretty cool to me, a radio guy. Obviously, you are too. But just to see how things change from year to year, but certainly decade to decade when it comes to the Indy Five Hundred broadcast. Well, I, I know that uh, you know I I do listen uh, quite a bit to to old Indy Five Hundreds and. Um, I, I think uh, there's a couple of reasons that I do that. Uh, I think uh, as much as anything, it's uh, it's a reminder to me of just how fortunate I am to, to be in the position as uh, the anchor of the radio network and the voice of the 500, which I think is a, it's a pretty good story uh, in terms of, you know, starting out as a corn-fed kid from Monrovia, Indiana, in small market radio. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm, always mindful of the sacrifices that Sid and, and everyone in the early days made to build this network. And, and I've always felt like the radio network when it was the only way to listen to the race in large part is very much responsible for the growth and the popularity to a worldwide audience of this race. I mean, I think the radio network has had a huge hand over the years in, in making this the greatest spectacle in racing. And we're very proud of that. And I think what's interesting is, is to be able to listen to, Sid's era and then Paul and, uh, and, and Lou Palmer for a couple of years. And, uh, and, and, and then, you know, Bob's tenure, Bob Jenkins tenure, and then Mike's tenure. And then to, to, to me after Paul came back for two years and, and to listen to the progression. And I, and I think that probably no one did more to modernize the broadcast than Mike King. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Mike, Mike put play by play guys in the corners. Um, and, and, and I think Mike, finally began to realize that we needed to match the speed of the broadcast with the speed of the cars. I mean, 
Tony, once upon a time, it went from Sid to one, back to Sid to two, back to Sid, middle of the back straights, back to Sid, three back to Sid, and four back to Sid. <laughs> and there were there was a couple of years there where we 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 didn't have a turn one position because the cars just moved too fast. Yeah, and and I think that's probably what I'm most proud of is the fact that we have continued the process of of moving the broadcast forward and and matching the times while certainly holding on to, uh, you know, the history and traditions that help build the broadcast, like giving people unfettered access to the pre-race festivities and things of that nature and, and using our toss to local breaks, the now stay tuned calls. We use those from Lou and from Sid and from Mike and Paul and Bob. And so, you know, we're, we're, it's a responsibility that I think all of us take very, very seriously. And uh, yeah, for sure. Those, those, those broadcasts are a lot of fun to listen to and, and as I said initially, remind us all of how fortunate we are to be a part of this thing. He's the conductor of the orchestra. He's the apex of the IndyCar Radio Network. Mark James with us. Hey, before we let you go, big news. Um, all month long, you guys are going to have everything covered. Talk about the schedule um, and some of that cool news that came out about the IndyCar Radio Network. Well, we're really happy that our, our friends at Sirius and XM continue to increase their commitment to the NTT IndyCar Series and IndyCar Radio. And, uh, recently reached an agreement with them you know in the past uh, past few years uh they've been carrying you know qualifying and, and and racing for for both the indy lights on the road to indy and indycar and uh we just we learned recently just a few days ago that uh, you know channel 205 will carry all of our practice shows and for the first time in i think probably ever uh thanks to our network director chris pollock uh, making this happen we're actually going to carry, we're going to stream live um, on IndyCar.com at Race Control and IndyCarRadio.com, the TuneIn app, and on Sirius and XM 205. We're carrying every minute of uh, a practice leading up to qualifying. Uh, we'll have two crews. One will be on from 12 to, to, to 3 daily and then from 3 to 6 in the afternoon, including, you know, that'll be Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday of next week. And then, of course, we'll have complete coverage on our usual outlets, including terrestrial radio on Saturday and Sunday of qualifying. And then the following Friday, we'll carry a, a two-hour carb day show where we'll have everyone up all four turns and all the pit reporters. And, and, and we'll do a full dress rehearsal, and that'll be live and on the air. And then we'll be back on race day for our, uh, our broadcast of the 105th 500. We're very excited about all of that for sure. Mark Jane, thanks for joining us. Enjoy the month of May, and uh, I'm sure we'll see you out there at the track. Always a pleasure, Tony. Thank you. Great conversation there, powered by the UPS store on Oleo Road. 1165 Oleo Road up in Fishers. We appreciate the sponsorship from the UPS store. They have all you need to ship or print. Give them a call, 317-578-0094. The UPS store of Fishers on 11650 Oleo Road, Suite 1000. Again, ship there, print there, everything you need. They are locally owned. The UPS store, 317-578-0094. Can't thank Mark Janes enough there. As we continue to itch forward to the IndyCar Grand Prix and the Indianapolis 500 coming up in just under three weeks. We know we talked about this, Mark and I. Um, you know, Juan Pablo Montoya is going to be running this weekend's road course race out at the Speedway. That's a car that that really under underachieved last year with Fernando Alonso um kind of in the mix. It, it, it's one of those things that you know, you're a third car and and Aero McLaren SP has had mixed results this year. Pato is obviously up there in the points, got his first career win, had a pole down at St. Pete. 
But Felix Rosenquist has had, has had a first four races to really throw away, to really um, make, you, make you pissed off and, and make you hungry. So look for Felix to be up towards the front. You know, he's got a pole there his rookie year. Um, and I wrote about this uh, at TonyTheIndy.com. It'll be up here um, shortly, just about how uh, there's a great chance that we see a first-time winner of this Grand Prix coming up this weekend. So big thanks there to Mark James of the IndyCar Radio Network. They'll have you covered all month, as well as we will here on the Tony D Podcast and TonyTheIndy.com. Thanks to Kyle at Caliber Home Loans. Thanks to Harley at Flooring is Forever. And thanks to the UPS Store on Oleo Road for the sponsorship. And uh, let's continue to build and have a great month of May.